Buddha Blog English Podcast Episode 10 Buddhism in Everyday Life Please also download my app Buddha Blog English from the Apple and Android stores. This podcast is largely funded by its listeners. I would be happy to welcome you as a supporter as well. Thank you to everyone who supports Buddha Blog in their own way. Five Monkeys I heard the following story, which I would like to reproduce here. There is a depth in this story that is unparalleled. By the way, I am an absolute opponent of animal experiments. For an experiment on the social coexistence of packs, researchers locked five monkeys in a cage with a ladder going up in the middle, where the researchers placed bananas. Each time one of the monkeys climbed up, the researchers splashed the other monkeys with cold water. A few weeks later, the monkeys started hitting the monkey climbing up by themselves to escape the cold water. Then no monkey climbed up anymore. After some time, the researchers began to exchange the monkeys one by one. The new monkeys were immediately beaten by the old monkeys when they wanted to reach the bananas, so the new monkeys did not climb up either. When none of the original monkeys were left in the cage, all the new monkeys were still beaten up, even though none of those present had any contact with the water. No punishment so no one knew why one was not allowed upstairs to the bananas. Packs have a pack behavior. The life in the group shapes every species. Also the human being holds deep in himself all incidents, all questions and all solutions of his ancestors. Do you remember when your mother warned you about something? About the hot stove top? or about dangerous human interaction. You knew exactly and in this special moment what was meant by her, because all knowledge from the universe was and is secured in all our cells. We know so exactly about the truth, about the connections, but we do not dare to explore the depths. Our various fears still stand in our way. According to Buddha, we should explore these depths, get to the bottom of things. If you are honest with yourself, then you must confess that many things and connections are subconsciously clear to you. You know without having learned, because you feel the experiences of the ancients within you. From the caveman to the Nobel Prize winner, all kinds sexes, colors and development stages were among them, completely different knowledge from different times. Please consider once in a quiet moment how you can come in contact with your true self, whether you also want that, also weigh up, whether you can then also deal with the truth. The philosophy of Buddhism holds quite astonishing moments for those who are interested, but it could also have a disturbing effect on some people. The way is the goal, also for the monkeys. 
Buddha once said, your mind shall become clear like the water. The nine essential features. The nine positive characteristics of every Buddhist should be known to people. The Buddha's teaching finds its deeper expression in these characteristics. First, morality. Morals are debatable, but every human being has a standard deep inside him or her. He or she knows what is right and what is not. Morality is a high human quality. The second essential feature is patience. He who is patient develops patience, so taught the wise Buddha. To wait calmly is a very positive quality. Instead of stressing and rushing, just wait for things to come. Doing our things patiently, listening to the body, that is a high quality. The third essential feature is renunciation. Whoever can renounce is on the way to enlightenment, because whoever does not really want or desire can practice renunciation. But whoever thinks that he or she always comes up short, that everything has to be much more, will go through the hard school of life, only to have an open ear for Buddhism at the end, when nothing is possible anymore. Renunciation is a high quality in life. The fourth essential feature of a Buddhist is diligence. Buddha exhorted his followers to always be diligent. For example, farmers should sow their seeds, but not worry about the harvest, but simply work diligently on the things that present themselves for work. Diligence is a human quality that has little to do with success. Whoever is industrious does not necessarily have to be successful. In any case, diligence is a high quality in life. The fifth quality is bounty. No matter what we have, we should share generously. Generosity is a character trait that brightens the moment for the environment. No matter whether we give a smile or a banknote, out of our own free will, we should give according to the teacher of all teachers. Generosity is a high quality in life. The sixth essential feature in a Buddhist life is wisdom. He who strives for wisdom is on the right path, for he who is wise sees behind the scenes, is not easily fooled, cannot be put in fear without reason, still makes wise decisions even in the face of great danger. Wisdom is a high quality in life. The seventh essential quality is truthfulness. What is true may be said, and we always know what is true. We may not want to admit it, but we know about it, we do know. Truthfulness we have within us, but it is overlaid, covered, polluted by greed, hatred and delusion. Deep inside us there is truthfulness well hidden. Truthfulness is a high quality in life. The eighth very important feature is kindness. A kind word warms our counterpart, 
a kind person radiates, and even we know about the transitoriness of all being, we still live in the now and in the here, and their kindness is an adornment, it adorns every person. Kindness is a high quality in life. The last of the nine essential features of a Buddhist is serenity. To wait serenely, without being sky-high cheerful or to death distressed, that is a quality that makes a person look like a mighty mountain. Serenity is attractive, it affects the environment, let things come to us, but they also disappear again when we let them go. Serenity is a high quality in life. Anyway, the way is the goal. Buddha once said, feelings are known, but how they appear, how they are present, how did they disappear? Nothing is certain. Human life is determined by uncertainty. Nothing is certain. We can rely on nothing. Countless possibilities determine the course of time. The universe takes no account of our sensitivities. We want so much to rely on something or on someone. But with the sum insight into reality, we realize that everything is subject to change. Nothing can remain as it is. Every moment represents an absolute new beginning. At first glance, this fact has something frightening. The heart is full of fears anyway. Why is everything so difficult to understand? The journey to enlightenment is just a highly personal endeavor. The important pillars are right in front of our eyes, but do we even see them? According to Buddha, we should rely on nothing and no one, accept nothing, hope for nothing, take everything as it comes. The path to personal enlightenment is different for everyone. Everyone has different prerequisites, a different starting point, people are as different as snowflakes. At first glance they are all the same, but in reality they are all completely different. Even for the snowflakes it is not guaranteed whether they will hit the ground, maybe they will already melt in the air. Nothing is certain, even two snowflakes have completely different occurrences just as two people probably do not have the same karma, nor can they. Because nothing is sure, we cannot escape the fact everything is desirable, but by no means determinable. For our own purposes, there is missing any real evidence afterwards. How should we be in different places at the same time? The realities hide behind rituals. For us humans nothing is certain, only this realization is certain. From this certainty unbelievable relief takes place. We must do ourselves the favor and draw strength and power from the clarity of the absolute transitoriness. Only if we come to terms with the circumstances in the sense of Buddha the peace and tranquility comes to us.
Yes, at the same time everything can come to an end. Whoever starts his way to enlightenment at the right time at least gets a chance to solve the riddles of life. What if there is something to the Buddha's philosophy? If nothing is certain but enlightenment is, what will become? If all possessions are impermanent but enlightenment remains, what then? Like children who are afraid, who become unconscious because of fear, then also die, so man works in his hopelessness striving for infinity. The way is to go. Buddha once said, let your wandering thoughts and desires come to rest. The Kama Buddha also once said, it is not an enemy or the adversary that forces one to do evil. Evil, that is a choice we can make or not, depending on how we play the cards that karma deals us. With the good it should be the same. We can't change fate, the hand is what it is, but when, if and which card we play is our choice, the effects are our future karma. Well, you don't really believe in karma? What would be better, drugs or alcohol? Or continue to play the role you've made up for yourself in this life? It's your cards. You can play what you want. The end is clear to all of us. The way there is the goal. In the valley of the blind, the one-eyed woman is the queen. How will we spend the time until the end? Meaningless or meaningful, centered or freaked out, smart or dumb, buy six for the price of half a dozen, make the world a little bit better. Bad or good are just judgments in the end, but deep down we have a kind of compass. We know what is right and what is wrong. Your game, your moment, your life, murder and manslaughter in the daily subscription, conjured gifts that melt like chocolate. Nothing will remain of the magic moments. Wild thing, sex, drugs and rock and roll. All dreams that slowly fade away. The witnesses die away, kick ass, oh my god. If you want to go back to doing something you are not really convinced about, think about your cards that life has dealt you and think about which card you will play and how that will affect your future karma. Living like backwards, as we are, how do you feel when you imagine it? How does an action affect fate? What consequences lie ahead? What drags on? What goes quickly? The laws of cause and effect that Buddha spoke of, what helps us? How can we think? How do we feel? Let it be. We've been talking about it for a long time. Buddha was right. We are not forced to act. We can choose. What would be your choice? And all day long we can choose things and people, take opportunities or skip them, according to taste. Here Buddhists follow the body, which is better able to classify many things than the mind. The way is the goal. Buddha once said, My body is of such nature, so it will be, I cannot escape this fate.
Is there a method to the madness? If this be madness, yet hath it method. So formulated the ignorant William Shakespeare, English poet, around the years 1601. So already at this time of Shakespeare people were of the opinion that the actions of some other person are wrong, even would have sprung from the delusion. How can this be? How can completely the same things be judged so completely different? How do people come to such different judgments? As already mentioned several times on my blog, two people can look at something, for example a flower meadow. One is completely enraptured, the other says that he hates flowers. Sure, tastes differ, but daily madness is about more than taste. It's about fundamental occurrences. How can even important events be considered completely contrary? I ask myself this very often. There must be a reason for this. Nothing happens without a reason. I for my part believe that here evolution has its fingers in the game and man does many things completely unconsciously and also by the human development the imprinting by parents and the environment and by the events that have just happened on the way. It seems possible to me that different mechanisms are triggered in the brain, which were very important for the human being in earlier stages of evolution, hundreds and thousands of years ago, but which cause complete confusion today. According to my observations, humans are deliberately put into a constant stress situation so that they are then easier to control and steer. The urge of living beings to then have a security and safety in a group is exploited by simply dividing them into friends and foe, an underlying subdivision of evolution. Thus all are held in constant state of alarm Constantly the alarm bells shrill, the fears are stirred up with full intention. Only, unfortunately, the fewest notice that. But I do, because I can look behind the scenes, give myself also hereby trouble, and question basically everything, form my own opinion, as Buddha has recommended this to his followers by the way also. Constantly the modern man feels now supervised, humiliated, bullied and controlled, but cannot recognize, because the evolution stands in the way the true reasons. As long as the seekers do not begin to form their own opinion, as long as a pathless way to the goalless gate is not even near, evaluation of every kind are to be avoided completely, there is no good and also no bad. The way is the goal. Buddha once said, whoever shows himself without attachment to sense pleasures, thus also without confusion, will be rid of sorrow. The pathless way. Nirvana is found behind the gateless gate, which lies on the wayless path in a worldless world. Before the venerable Buddha, the path to Nirvana was still unknown. The teacher of all teachers found it, explored it, 
made this path come into being in the first place. Buddha prepared the path for us so that we can follow it on this path which does not exist, cannot exist at all, which always shows itself only briefly in the mist of times, then disappears again, makes itself recognizable for the enlightened ones. Before the Indian prince, many enlightened ones have probably already walked the pathless path, have crossed the gateless gate, have entered the worldless world. But we know nothing about their journey, their karma lies hidden in the depths of the universe, behind the limits of our imagination. All the qualities that Buddha possessed, that were realized in him, that made him seek the path in the first place. Those are what made the path real in the first place, because there is not only one reality. The followers of Buddha follow him on this path, to then find the gateless gate, to thus take their refuge in the teachings of the Exalted One, to have the necessary backing to begin the path in the first place in order to materialize the path, to make the path passable, the qualities of the Buddha must be attained, otherwise the pathless path will not reveal itself at all. First, the behavior of the follower must be restrained with high standards in morality. Second, the heart of the follower of Buddha can embrace the hearts of our people, understand their minds too, recognize the desires that weaken the other living beings, recognize the hatred that affects them, he realizes why the delusion takes place in this incarnation. Third, he lives in contentment, what the destiny gives him that pleases him, he does not strive for more, he does not want anything, he does not desire anything, he needs almost nothing. A follower of the Exalted One has the chosen hearing, he can handle the sense of hearing, he hears even the things that are hidden from others. A follower of the Exalted One has the chosen eye, with which he can see the migration of living beings, recognize suffering and joy, fears and tranquility. A follower of the Exalted One has very strong powers within himself. He can divide and he can reassemble. He appears and disappears. He can touch the planets, embrace the moon, overcome mountains and valleys. For him there is no space, no matter, no hardships. He controls body and mind. He is full of power. He is like water. A follower has learned much and diligently researching the true nature of things. He follows those teachings which he considers to be in harmony with the universe. He keeps them within himself. He can also reproduce them correctly. A follower of the Exalted One remembers all his previous lives, times when the universe contracted and our faces when it expanded again. He knows all the names given to him, he recognizes the former families, he becomes aware of his joys and his sufferings. 
a follower of the exalted one has attained the four deepenings namely the turning of the mind the inner calming the equanimity and the purity of his mindfulness a follower of the exalted one lives with a strong mind is liberated by attaining infinitive wisdom is without greed hatred and delusion without urges who wants to start the journey set out for the bamboo grove of enlightenment the way is the goal oliver goldsmith an anglo-irish storyteller once said man's life is a journey a journey that must be completed no matter how bad the roads and facilities are injustice each of us has a different sense of justice considers things justified from the point of view or not in 1961 for example there was the groundbreaking milgram experiment in which obedience to authority was researched here it is not only shown that people can be significantly influenced by the so-called authorities but it also comes to light that almost anyone would kill anyone if only the circumstances fit the sense of justice also varies from the time with the circumstances with the people in the environment it is never exactly the same what is appropriate in their eyes for example for murder five years or ten fifteen or twenty in prison and if one of your loved ones was murdered would you be in favor of the death penalty in such a case life for life an eye for an eye a tooth for a tooth would it be unjust if a murderer went unpunished and what would be if the karma punishes him anyway would one be allowed to punish him additionally and at all can one prescribe a generally valid punishment catalogue is not every case different there were always other circumstances that led to the crime which are difficult to compare and how easily we humans are influenced even if as in the milgram experiment things are in direct contradiction to justice even good people can change paths change sides for trivial reasons good is not always good and bad is not always bad everything in its time there is no absolute justice there will always be injustice life can feel very hard the philosophy of buddha here gives inspiration and suggestion on how it could be looked at differently not from the material side but spiritually profoundly and rewardingly so what is just what is not who could judge all actions conclusively what would be such an unchanging authority we humans believe that everything should be just but never is life just some people die young others live to be a hundred years old some are born sick or disabled is that fair in any case we do not need to imagine too much of on the humanity as in said experiment evidently we are all only little more developed like an animal 
or perhaps also much more brutally like not so high standing living beings. You should think about the Milgram experiment once. Here you find an explanation. From here to which persecutions it is not very far. The way is to go. Buddha once said, all injustice has its origin in the spirit. If the mind is transformed, how can injustice remain? Aggression Drive The behavior scientist Conrad Lawrence once said that we are all born with an aggression instinct. In the course of time and our upbringing, we learn to cope with this aggression instinct which enables a new stage of evolution. His book The So-Called Evil shows the possibilities that a restless mind can choose in this way. According to Buddha, however, we should stop the aggression instinct for the sake of wisdom, in order to follow the pathless path towards the goalless gate. Through the upbringing, the environment and the cooperation of millions of destinies, it comes to the climax of completion, but often the imprinting triggers the disaster in the first place. How we as a role model imprint the souls of the children is mostly not conscious to us. We are as a species still fundamentally aggressive until we have seen pyres burning on pyres again, then we come to our senses. At the same time, life already plays up the best style flowers. We do not know, is it that the prelude of a horrible change of catastrophes, or will everything be better tomorrow? The knower knows the hearts of the people. He knows when and how the moments will have to be lived through. He knows the future and the past. Tomorrow nothing will be better. One should say goodbye to this misbelief. It will be different, yes, but better, probably not. Aggressiveness, is it innate into us? Are we descended from animals? Are we still animals deep inside? What keeps us from aggressive acts? Why are things the way they are? We constantly see and hear about monstrous cruelties, but at the same time we believe that man is helpful, noble and good. What a balancing act. What role model can the philosophy of Buddha play when it comes to taming aggression, to give values and content to the matter? An immense part because in every second house there is a statue of the great teacher. There is a general ignorance about his core statements, but something about peace and tranquility makes the charm of the person of the Indian prince, which is why his image is so sought after. His teachings are rather met with incomprehension, the cultures differ too much. What did the teacher of all teachers say? What values did he stand for? People notice their aggression instinct, which is why they put the Buddha at every corner of the home. Aggressiveness has deep roots even in modern man. If the time, place and environment fit, then any person is capable of really any outrage. 
The teachings also offer peace and tranquility, not just statues. The way is to go. Buddha once said, Injury to living beings, lies and slander are shunned and abhorred by the righteous one. Attention to the breath. On full moon nights, Buddha liked to go to the park. Surrounded by his disciples, he began to teach and instruct. Here he first instructed his followers to refrain from any chatter, to respect the importance of the gathering in the nightly meetings, to appreciate the moment. Then Buddha lectured about the little life that the participants have lived before, before they destroyed the fetters, before the burdens were laid down, in order to then advance to nirvana without urges, to achieve perfect knowledge. However, according to the teacher of all teachers, the seekers will not be able to get along only with the weakening of desire, hatred and delusion, because this is enough to enter a stream, but not to put an end to suffering. Only with the unfolding of the four foundations of mindfulness, with the unfolding of the four right efforts, with the unfolding of the five spiritual faculties, with the cultivation of equanimity, with the unfolding of the five mental powers, the unfolding of the seven pieces of enlightenment, the unfoldment of the noble eightfold path, the cultivation of compassion, the preservation of compassionate joy, the meditation on non-beauty, with the recognition of impermanence, and above all, with the mindfulness of the breath. Only in this way do we not have to return, not to the next incarnation, not to suffer further. You students should pay attention to the breath, pay attention to its unfolding, so that you can continue to practice the four foundations of mindfulness. So sit down, keep your legs crossed, straighten your upper body. Then breathe in mindfully and breathe out mindfully as well. In doing so, you understand that whoever inhales for a long time, he should also concentrate on this long inhale, just as he understands that whoever exhales for a long time, he should also concentrate on this long exhale. Whenever the practitioner inhales, he concentrates on his breath. He wants to experience the whole breathing body, to calm the body, to experience the satisfaction from the breath, to shape and experience the mind with it. Whenever the practitioner exhales, he concentrates on his breath, he wants to experience impermanence, to cultivate the renunciation of all things and living beings, to underpin the cessation of wanting and desiring. The practitioner considers his body as any body, through the breaths filled with mindfulness, without greed, hatred or delusion, clearly resting in himself, conquering all negative feelings. Concentration on the inhalation, concentration on the exhalation, inhaling, liberating, exhaling, liberating, 
always considering the mind as a mind. Here, the way is the goal. Buddha once said, when the body is still and the seeker then feels happiness, the mind is centered. Thank you for listening to Buddha Block. Did you notice that there were no ads running here, that you are not annoyed with consumer messages? Would you like to thank the author of this blog for his work with a donation? Support me, contribute to the extensive costs of this publication. Your support can help to continue the important work. Please also download my app Buddha Blog English from the Apple and Android stores. One thousand thanks.